are aliens real? Is AI going to turn against us like Skynet? Is cryptocurrency going to end all the world's free market economies? Are we really living in the end times? Life in 2023, it feels like it raises more questions than answers sometimes. And as Christians, we're told to just trust God and read our Bible. And hey, I believe that. But I don't see anything in there about Bitcoin, robots, tic-tac spacecraft, or artificial intelligence. So what is the modern believer supposed to do? Well, I found someone who's willing to answer these questions with a scripture focus. And would you believe it? They're also a Bible scholar as well. Paul Bach is online as the TikTok Theologic, an online disciple who uses his Green Beret military experience and master's in biblical studies to do online teaching of God's word as it applies to modern issues like these. We discuss whether aliens are real, AI, cryptocurrency, how people are deconstructing their faith, and how believers need to respond to these issues with scripture, and also how the church needs to respond. Buckle up, misfits. This one's going to be a little bit different. Please welcome Paul Bach. The TikTok Theologic. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. All right. Well, Paul, I am super excited to talk to you, man. I've been checking out your TikTok account recently, and you've got just a ton of cool content that is relatable and expresses the word of Christ just fantastically. You've explained a lot of stuff. I've actually learned a lot of stuff looking over your account, probably like the last 10 minutes of stuff that I've just got a bunch of questions. I'm really excited to talk to you, man. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Doing great, man. I, I greatly appreciate you bringing me on, man. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Like I said, the, you know, when we were talking a little bit on the email and you were mentioning some of the things that you were wanting to ask and go into, I was like, holy cow, I got so much, but it's, you know, I think, I think it's good, man. Uh, I'm doing great. I, this, I really appreciate the questions that you you're going to be asking the, the things you're wanting to talk about because it just it forces me to dive deeper, you know, and I think that that should be the the goal of every single Christian. You know, it's not just for those of us with like masters in these things. It's it's for everybody. Like we should we should desire to go deeper into what what is what does God tell us? What does his word say and what's going on in the world and what what is truth? You know, Pilate, Pilate asked that amazing question, what is truth? And and there's nothing greater I think than that question. And especially when we have the word of truth before us, we should want to know it. We should want to be intimate with it. Cause if it really is a message from the God of the universe that is for us and to us, you know, I mean, I mean, if it's how I get to know him, why, why would I want to just leave it on the, leave it on the shelf and spend my time flipping through TikTok or whatever, you know, we talk about TikTok, but I mean, you know, just getting those dopamine kicks and all that other stuff, man, when, when it's like, dude, we, there's so much more out there than than just some quick two second entertainment, just dopamine kicks entirely, entirely. And I mean, let's just, let's just jump right into it. So I found out about you. You're on TikTok as uh, TikTok Theologic and you do deep dives into, um, you know, you did one recently, I mean, a whole series on revelations you've done, you've done all types of things where these modern day things, you know, where modern issues, a lot of people don't think that the Bible applies to them or anything like that. And you're like, no, yeah. like this is this. Here's here's where it says this. And here's where it says this. And this is what you should know about all this stuff. But I, I'm excited to talk to you, too. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. But before we get into all these crazy, wild topics of things that are <laughs> happening in the day, you know, let's introduce people to you a little bit. Tell me about yourself. I mean, you know, you I believe you you were in the special forces. Give me a little backstory about Paul. Yeah. So basically, um, 
raised all over their raised all over the country, and then um, my father, after the towers went down, he went back in into the reserves, and he got deployed to OIF three in December of two thousand four. And me not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life and not really knowing what to do. I was like, well, you can't be the only one that gets to have fun. So I'm going to join up too. Um, but I knew I didn't want to just go in to the regular army. Not that there's anything wrong with the regular army. My uncle was in Vietnam. All my grandparents fought in World War II. We've fought in every single war since the revolution. I had a really good understanding about what special forces did uh, versus SEALs. So special forces specifically is army green berets. I understood kind of, you know, obviously on the outside, uh, what they did regarding unconventional warfare, force multiplication, working with indigenous populations to develop guerrilla forces, undergrounds, um, things like that in order to, uh, you know, overthrow governments or bring about stability to a region, all the, all the little things and nuances that go into that. Um, and I, I had a good understanding that that's, that's the way I wanted to go if I was going to go in. So I joined under the 18 x-ray program, which took me down to Sand Hill in Georgia for 11 Bravo, the just basic infantry, basic training, the MOS phase, and then airborne school, then hopped over to Fort Bragg, which is home of special forces. Went through uh, what was called SOPSI pre-selection, uh, which was a month-long slaughter fest in the month of August. It was absolutely horrific. Uh, then went to selection, got selected, uh, made it through the qualification course, and uh, graduated that in 07, hit 5th Special Forces Group in Tennessee in um, May of 2007, deployed uh, to Iraq, to OIF-5 in 07, got home in 08, then Iraq in 09, 10, Afghanistan, 11 to 12 went. And I was a, spe- uh, I, w- I was a selection instructor, got back from that, uh, in 2017, took over as a team sergeant, came home, went to Syria, took a team over there, came back. And then I actually was medically retired due to epilepsy from my, uh, just all the TBIs, all the explosions I'd had, um, which all of those things were answers to prayer. Um, my wife actually ended up with leukemia while we were, I was at selection, uh, or right, right before, uh, right when I got into special warfare center in school, which we call SWIC. And that was an answer to do ministry to people with cancer in their families. And God had, she'd been asking God to use her, give new testimonies. And then two weeks later, boom, she had leukemia. It's like, well, I guess that's an answer to prayer. Not what we <laughs> expected, uh, but okay. And it, it was rough, but th- so we went through that whole process and God saw us through and, um, a lot of pain, but a lot of amazing experiences as well. And then when I got back from Syria, because on top of uh, doing the team sergeant thing and uh, working with the teams and the Syrian rebels, we don't have chaplains with us. They have chaplains at the battalion level, but down on the team level, we're out by ourselves. So I was doing chaplain duties, running services, evangelism, doing um, outreach efforts to our Muslim population and our Muslim partner forces because there are no missionaries there. But hey, that's a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah. So uh, then discipleship with the guys that are Christians there, we had a high Mars unit and those are those trucks that you see with the, with the missiles that can go up, got the four tubes. Right. Um, so then, uh, got back and felt God pulling my heart away from special forces. And I was like, well, yeah, no, my wife's worth, worth 2.3 mil from insurance. Uh, we can't exactly have that. Uh, so, you know, seven more years and we'll go do something. And he very kept hammering me pretty good about, Hey man, like seek you first, my kingdom and my righteousness, and you're going to be okay. 
had a couple people say some very specific things in that time. And I was finally, I gave up the fight and I was like, all right, God, if you want me to stay in the military, I'll keep, I'll keep doing ministry here. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. But if you want me out, I'm ready, but you got to do it. Cause I'm locked into this contract. And the next day I walk in cause they got the imagery, uh, back on my, on my back. And the doc goes, how are you walking? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like all of us are in pain. Like it just hurts. Right. And then three weeks later, I was just having tons of seizures. And the doc looked at me and said, you're getting medically retired. I'm like, oh, okay, God, I guess this is the answer to the prayer. And then uh, <laughs> so I so retired in 2019, um, had, an, had an awesome career, got to be a team sergeant, which is any special forces dudes really aspiration because anything beyond that's just staff junk. Um, and then I, my wife really encouraged me to get my master's in biblical studies. So I did that. I ended up connecting with a guy I hadn't seen in seven years, uh, who was a bassist in a Christian metal band. And there was a whole thing where God basically opened the door for me to travel with them as their chaplain. So traveled with them, went to a bunch of shows. They actually got to play with, uh, Brian Headwalch from Corn and the band Spoken. So that was pretty cool. Mm, then I went out with a tour called the extreme tour for a month last year. And then I've also contracted overseas, uh, with, um, a comp, a contract company. And it was cool because it was actually in Baghdad right before COVID broke out. Wow. Um, and fifth special forces group was there. So I knew everybody that the group Sergeant major was my old team Sergeant. So I just got to hang out. But then when the drama would start in the talk, I'd be like, well, guys, I'm going to my office. I'm just a contractor. <laughs> and so I did that for three months. Yeah, exactly. He's like, my days are done. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just, so now I do, uh, I've got my, uh, certified project director through PMI. I do coaching, a lot of coaching, coaching, uh, mostly mentoring, mentoring and discipleship and full-time ministry. And the, the coaching that I do with people really is more of a ministry type. Sometimes it's more evangelistic. Sometimes it's life coaching, but that obviously is more of a ministry type thing. So full-time ministry now and do the podcast, do TikTok, and then get to meet awesome people like yourself, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate the comment. So that's 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 <laughs> that's the mystery of Paul. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's an amazing story. I mean, it's like it's almost like you have like two separate lives, you know, like uh the the whole the whole story of you going through the military and listening to this thing, I'm like, man, that's that's like that's that's deep. And then, you know, you get <laughs> you get sort of medically retired. I'm sure I'm sure the military's decision was to uh, treat you with ibuprofen or Motrin. Those 800 persons, they work well. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's, that's crazy, man. So, you know, you, you did you you said you moved from all that into like um, into mentoring and things like that. When did TikTok sort of come about? I mean, what made you want to be a content creator? What was was this like? Was this like God's purpose on your life? You got you got. I did not. I did not want to be a content creator. Right. Uh, many people know that us older older dudes we shy away strongly from social media. We do not like it. It's a time waste. And so, but I had a kid I was discipling and walking through a divorce, and he was really coming back to Christ, uh, growing in his relationship. And he just kept saying, you got to get on TikTok. You got to get on TikTok. I'm like, I, I don't do social media. I don't do TikTok. And finally, he bugged me enough. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll do TikTok. Well, so I made a couple TikToks and one of them blew up. I was like, well, okay, may, maybe maybe there is something here. Maybe God's, you know, there's, I, I can see how God can use this. 
well, I live out in the county. And at the time I didn't have unlimited data because, hey, I, I, I budget. I, you know, I'm very careful with my money and I don't want to spend the extra $10 for an unlimited plan. <laughs> so uh, I ran out of data because I was walking around my, my property and uh, I said, oh, I guess I, 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 in my head, I literally said, oh, I guess I can't do TikTok. <laughs> Five minutes later, I had a text message from Verizon saying, thank you for your military service. We'd like to offer you a free upgrade to an unlimited plan. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm doing freaking TikTok. So that was literally how I actually got started on TikTok. And then um, as it progressed, obviously just, all right, well, I need to figure out how, how can I be used on this? God, how can you use me? What can it be? What can the benefit that I can put out there uh, be? And so that kind of led into walking through uh, the scriptures, answering people from a scriptural perspective, really giving good biblical answers, why we should, why we can trust the Bible, what the Bible states, not just about Christian living and our lives today, but about the times, because as you know, on Christian TikTok, that's a big thing about the signs of the times and where we are in history. And then you've got all the deconstruction on the other side and quoting people like Bart Ehrman and Dan McClellan, which I'm sure we'll get to good old Dan, the Mormon and, um, the, uh, all, all the stuff going on with, uh, that. And so, and then also walking through the text, like, like I'm going through revelation right now, I believe I'm on chapter six. Uh, walking through the book of Revelation and just teaching through that, because I think one of the beautiful things is that it, it is a, it's a, with TikTok, it is a platform that can be used for a lot of good as well as bad. Like you said earlier, uh, before we started recording, it's a double-edged sword. And and unfortunately, as, as you know, as long as you've got a microphone and a camera, you can kind of put anything out there. Yep. So, I mean, I just kind of want to, you know, do, do my part to do what God leads me to do. And, and hopefully, ultimately, and this is really my drive is, behind all of this is I want to see Christians equipped because every single one of us is given the Great Commission. Every single person, every single Christian has been given the commission, preach the gospel, disciple the nations. There, in some translations, it says make disciples, but make is not in the Greek. It is not inferred. It simply says disciple, disciple yeah. the nations. And so teach them. Because that's what the what uh, the daskalos means in the Greek is to teach. So, uh, if if I can do anything, I, I really kind of look at what I do ministry wise from the role of a team sergeant within special forces. Because a team sergeant is responsible. Okay, I'm, I'm making sure that my hire is happy. The team's mission. I'm working with my commander to make sure that the mission is getting completed that hire gave us. But I'm also at the same time working with my partner forces. I'm making sure that my guys are being developed in their individual skills within their jobs, that they're being trained and bettered tactically. Uh, then as a whole that we're able to train and accomplish missions, whatever those may be, because it can be very different depending on what mission set you're falling under within special forces. Um, because, And then obviously training them also and make sure they're developed to be leaders themselves someday. So there's so much that goes into that. Like when you're talking like personal development, resources, just there's so many factors. And so that's kind of how I see myself and God tends to use me from what I did within special, uh, special forces. Well, I, I think that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, and what other, what other avenue to be able to be efficient in your walk with the Lord than to, I mean, use your training from the military to do it that way. I mean, that's, that's a a great way of looking at it. You know, I want to take it back a second. You know, I, I think it's wild to me that, you know, 
you ask you ask this thing, you're out in your yard, and then immediately you get a text saying, Congratulations, here's a minute. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I love how I, I love how people say, Oh, God works in mysterious ways, right? And I love situations like that. And I'm amazed by doing this podcast how often I hear um biblical scripture like a lot of times you're reading your Bible and it's just words on a page sometimes. I think yeah. a lot of times where I just pick it up and I'm just like, you know, oh, this is like, okay, you know, th- the seas were parted. Like, okay. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, yeah. you could do the, yeah. accomplish the same thing with a Michael Bay movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, like, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's an idea. But um, I, 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 have, I have similar situations. I've talked about this a number of times on the podcast. But the way this podcast got started, I was just some dude. I didn't even know anything about podcasts. But I started listening to some podcasts, and I liked I liked listening to them, and I, but I noticed all of the podcasts I, that I was listening to they they were they were good, but they weren't good. Like we were talking yeah. about earlier, like you can you can just espouse anything out on the internet, and uh, and you know I decided I'm going to start one. I made this um, I made this Amazon wish list of all the equipment I would need, and it was very expensive. I didn't have any of that, and this guy that was going to my church was moving, and he was a recording producer and uh, an artist that toured with like Conway Twitty, all these old uh, country artists. Oh wow! And yeah, and he had he goes he, he measures me one day. He's like, I heard you were talking about starting a podcast. I have all of this equipment. You can have all of it, right? So I go to pick it up, and everything that he gave me was like the bells and whistles model of the exact same thing. <laughs> that is so awesome! Wild. So I mean, if 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 you're out there and you're listening to this, you know, <laughs> God moves in mysterious ways. But when he moves, he moves. You know, it's so crazy that you. Uh, that that you had that experience. I love hearing stuff like that, man. Well, I think that God takes away our excuses. You know, he's you know, he he says to do something, he lays something on your heart and you're like, "God, you know, I'm just what's your will?" And it's kind of one of those things that I think that sometimes we take that very um fatalistic is not the is not the word, but that deterministic like, "Oh, if he do, if he wants me to do it, he'll make it happen." And he's like, "No, bro. I freaking told you. Yeah. You now need to move." Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's like when they when Aaron's rod, it's like, yeah, it'll turn into a snake, but you got to throw the rod down first. You know, so it's it's I actually uh, dealt with that with um, a buddy of mine who uh, has a recording recording studio. And he's like, I just wonder what you know, I'm waiting on God. It's like, man, he's he's told you in so many ways. He's given you everything you need. <laughs> like, I don't you know. And so I think that that's just a really cool story for you and, and just a testimony again of like, and of course people will say oh, yeah, coincidence. Yep. And it's like, you know, sure it kind of comes, <laughs> it, it, it kind of comes down to one of those things. And I'm sure you know this man. It's like, yeah, for, for Chris, for you. Okay. One time's a coincidence, but then what about all these other people? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, is it, is it as Jim Carrey says, the universe is answering, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it just, at what point is it not coincidence? But, I think it's just really cool that, you know, you were, you were obedient to, to walk that out. Cause you know, and yeah. that's an encouragement, I think for a lot of people, because I'm sure you find a lot of fulfillment in this. And yeah. so many times we as Christians can just sit back and be like, Oh gosh, man, I just wish, what am I supposed to do? And it's like, yet you have these desires he's put into you. And if you would just move forward on them, you would find that fulfillment. You would like, Oh, this I'm enjoying this. I, I you know what I mean? It's, it's that understanding that, um, 
that joining him in the mission he's given us. And, you know, Chuck Missler said, um, without him, we can't, but without us, he won't. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that quote in just that willingness to, where God, like you, you know, you said, he kind of took your excuses away on the podcast. He kind of took my excuses away on TikTok and it's just, he'll, he'll make a way, but you've still got to be willing to move forward and just trust him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, like (laughs) it's, it's just like, let's go. Like, you know, (laughs) you're ushered in, you're ushered in. I I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I mean, I love hearing stories like that and it's, it's really just, uh, you know, I, I hear them time and time again. One of the things that I love about this show in particular is that, um, you know, I constantly, it's like every single episode. And I speak to, I speak to people of many different faith backgrounds. I speak to people, uh, that are non-believers. It, it yeah. doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Like a lot of times I noticed too, like you were just saying that a lot of these people, they don't, they don't see it. They don't see yeah. it. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, it's, it's like, it's like when you're, you're on a desert Island, you're like, Hey, Hey, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, people people hear hear these things and they're saying saying the things but they're not like putting two and two together like you know so a funny story on that real quick my buddy is a chaplain uh was a chaplain he was over in fallujah and some of those areas real real rough when the marines were there and they get in a firefight up on a roof and they're behind a blind bullet comes in hits dude in the head he's down they just start lighting everything up and my buddy jeff walks over and the kid sits up and he holds it up and the bullet had hit and wrapped around it, like through the trajectory, the way it hit the helmet had wrapped around. And he said, man, God's got a plan for your life. And in the midst of shooting the 240 Bravo off, this, uh, this kid goes, oh no, sir, that happens all the time. <laughs> it's like, what? You're all taking headshots constantly. <laughs> You're surviving. And it's just, uh, just coincidence. It just happens. It's just a Thursday, you know, no worries. <laughs> exactly. It's like my um, same kind of same thing happened to my buddy Glenn. They they took an IED. They didn't have the doors on at the time. They had the uh, the, the that's where you see the Humvees with the doors off and the guns out the side. Yeah, just IED rocked them. Just just destroyed everything. Holes all in the uniforms. Nobody was touched. Wow. Not not a, not a scrap. I mean, so somehow the shrapnel had passed through them. But it's yeah. like, you know, how do you, how do you explain that other than? something supernatural like there's nothing like that defies physics <laughs> yeah a long time ago i won't even say a long time ago but there have been some situations in my life and i've been thinking about this a lot recently i've been talking with a number of different people where people are experiencing like hard times related to god and yeah. they and it's a lot of the same stuff that's going on it's like it's like the things are the things are being said but you don't see it you don't see it in the moment right and it's very yeah. difficult to do to see them in the moment but i think back and there was if i'm being real when i was younger i went through a lot of difficult situations and things like that and in that moment man in those in those moments i was not i was not feeling it like there was a yeah. lot of times about thinking about like giving up and things like that. And I think about this so often that I'm so glad because I, I actually, my, my story, I, I didn't come to Christ until I was in my twenties and my entire life growing up. Um, I was told that, 
God is an invisible friend for people. And those people yeah. are silly. You know, I was raised in that environment. So that's all that I knew. And then I'm yeah. so amazed that I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. And I went through that and I come back to it and it's like, uh, it's like the plan that God has for your life that you don't even know. Um, when yeah. it's, when it's, when it's a Tuesday and you're struggling to get to Wednesday and stuff like that, um, it's, it's so amazing. But I mean, we, you know, it, that, that one wasn't very comical. I don't know where I just brought the conversation <laughs> down a little bit, but no, you're good, was, dude. You're good. I, I think it, it's such an important thing, especially with the way that our country's going and, and the world, like, it's not going to a pretty place at the moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at the economy and things that are going on and people are struggling. I mean, you look at just gas, the cost of gas, the cost of groceries that has a, a massive effect on people's lives, you know, their livelihoods. And, you know, we look at the, the lockdowns and just everything that's gone on over the past couple of years. And it, I mean, then you have add on top of that, you know, modern education, like you said, God is a fairy tale. And you know, basically it's like, Hey, you're all of y'all are a cosmic accident. There's really no inherent meaning except what you make for yourself. And there's really no true destiny because ultimately what you do is going to amount to nothing. So try to make a name for yourself. And maybe those beyond you will live, live through, live your message out. And it's yeah. like, that's such a, you know, and, and we wonder why kids have no sense of destiny. We wonder why they're depressed all the time, you know, and I'm not saying that God is a crutch, but you know, at the, at the same time, like the, these, there are third and fourth order effects to the things that happen. And, but even in the Christian, in the Christian life, right. And part of the thing that I think we're walking through now within Christianity, part of it is this, it's not all sunshine and rainbows that we were promised, Yeah, you know, it, in, I'm sure you know this and you see this, you see all, all the, they'll talk about all the greatness and the blessings and this and that, but they'll skip over the verses that promise suffering persecution. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Hebrews 11, man, because Hebrews 11, you look at the, the close of that uh, or in that chapter where he's discussing, you know, they walked around in sheepskins and goatskins in caves. They were destitute, defeated, destroyed. And then it says of whom the world was not worthy. And, and just this, this, this idea, you know, Smyrna, the church at Smyrna in Revelation is, as Jesus is assessing this church there, it says you, you're, it literally says the word you're poor. It says that word in Greek means absolute destitution. Yeah. But then Jesus says, but you are rich. And it's one of the only churches of the, of the seven that nothing bad is said about, you know, and, and it's, it's amazing that, you know, and so I think what we're coming to terms with is kind of the the false promises that were given by certain people and certain groups or whatever messages that like, Hey, you, you are going to suffer. You are going to suffer. There's going to be pain within the Christian walk. You know, my wife and I, like I said, like it was, it was very difficult to have to make those phone calls and tell my family members and friends, Hey, my wife, uh, you know, she, she was 24 hours from hemorrhaging out because her platelet count was so low and she's got a 25% chance of surviving with the bone marrow transplant. And that number holds up because out of the four she went into transplant with, she's the only one that survived. And then when I was going through my epilepsy, you know, we, I, um, my, basically I was, I was having so many seizures that my wife was having to do my ADLs, you know, and that that's difficult. And then we lost two pregnancies uh, prior to Afghanistan, one in the middle where my wife had to carry the baby for a while after it had died. You know, that was, so in, I know that those are, people can say, oh, that's, that's just that. But it's like, no, no, the, you have to understand, like some of these things were very specific answers to prayers 
that while they were like, they, they allowed us to minister to people in some very amazing ways. And there was a lot of joy and a lot of peace through the process, but there was so much pain. There was so much pain yet. God was always faithful in that. And so, man, like, trust me, when you say I'm just trying to make it to Wednesday, I completely understand that. And the people that are like, oh, you just fuck up and trust in Jesus. It's like, man, no, no, there is a, there's a fight that Mm -hmm. goes along with that. There's a war. That's why Paul, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. He didn't say I took the long vacation. (laughs) And, you know, and, and, and in, I think it's first Corinthians eight or one, I'd have to, go back and look, but he basically says we were pressed to the point where we despaired of life itself. So basically Paul's saying we were so miserable. We wanted to die. So, so if you find yourself in that area, like you're in kind of good company because the apostle Paul was there too. There we go. There we go. Great minds think alike. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that's a really good segue into, you know, kind of your content as well. I mean, I, I, I am so on board with what you have been saying, and I'm I'm very impressed with the content that you make. Um, you know, we were talking about it, it, a lot of it deals with these modern issues, and you know, again, people think, oh, well, that happened two thousand years ago. That's that's back yeah. then. That's not real anymore. That's not on Facebook. No, and. The, the Facebook's the, old, man. Where you? Where are you at? You're still like you're like 15 years behind, man. I know. Facebook. Okay, boomer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's if we don't talk about these things now, um, right? Somebody else is going to. And yes. what we were talking about about the other the the way that anybody any monkey with a microphone can hop on here and say whatever they want to about anything. And you do a great. I like your style of teaching it. You know, it's like. A lot of a lot of your they call them hooks or whatever when you make videos, but like a lot of your a lot of your content, you're like, hey, you want to learn about this? Let's go, and that's it. It's right into it. And the amazing part about it, you know, it's I've noticed I am amazed how hard it is to get somebody who is of a Christian faith that is willing to talk about things like aliens or is willing to talk about like people are real quick to talk about like how things are going wrong with the church and things like that. But they're not willing to have that in-person, in-depth conversation with somebody about, um, you know, deconstruction of faith or like all these things that are going on right now. So I love I love your content for that reason because honestly it's kind of raw and it's kind of real a little bit and you just get right to the point of what people are saying and I want to talk about all those things with you. <laughs> <laughs> let me oh, let me pull up my notes. Oh yeah, my right? goodness. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. I'll begin my 30 part presentation. <laughs> Please look to the board. Oh, welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, one of the things that I want to talk to you about is let's start let's start with the idea of the the TikTok theologic. So, you know, we talked earlier about um about Dan McClellan. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of the guy. I love yeah. what he does. I have my qualms with what he does as well. Yes. Like I have like a sort of a love-hate relationship. Um, and one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to you about, you you've you've studied, you've got you've got you, I believe you said your MBA, is that right? In, in yeah, my master's in, I have a master's in biblical studies. Master's in biblical studies. And so, then I'm working towards a PhD level in Greek, but um, that's a that's a longer process. I bet. It sounds like it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, 
so you clearly know your stuff. I think what when we were talking about earlier about like uh, anybody can do this, you know, the the idea of a lot of these things is sort of question your faith, question your faith and yeah. always, you know, always be always be searching and things like that. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, because I've noticed a lot of these videos and things like that from many different creators are it's it's like they're like they're the authority. Like what I say yeah. goes, no, actually this, no, actually this. And yeah. what's, what's your thoughts on that? Cause I feel like personally, like I am far from a Bible scholar, like so far from a Bible scholar. Yeah. I've got, I've got an intent behind it. And sometimes I feel like an intent is more valuable than, you know, this master's education, you know? And uh, man, I, I agree. It kind of, I could easily see where it makes people like rethink, like, is this right for me? Like, is this like questioning your faith so much and always like finding out what you believe? Like, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I, I think or? it's absolutely a good thing. So, um, the Paul says, uh, in Acts 17, Paul had gone from Thessalonica to Berea. He presented them the gospel and he, in Acts 17, 11, he states that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they receive the word with all readiness of mind. So they they basically, with an open mind and a readiness to receive it, they heard the gospel presentation that Paul gave. But it says, and they took and tested it against the scriptures. So they took what Paul stated. The God, I mean, so think about that. The apostle Paul presents the gospel, and the Bereans are commended for the fact that they took and tested that against the text. And then Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, to test all things, and hold fast to that which is good. I think it is very important that we take and test what is stated, what is taught. We need to know our faith. We need to understand it, right? There's nothing wrong with having questions and questioning and going into research. Um, in Jude, Jude 1, 3, uh, he says that he's writing and he says that it was pressed upon him to encourage them basically to put up a, and the word in the Greek means to put up a stiff fight, you know, contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And then Peter states to always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks about the hope that is within you. Well, if I'm going to be prepared, especially in today's environment to give an answer, I better be ready with an answer, which means I need to study because a lot of people are studied. A lot of people are researched. Now this is, and this is where I'm not saying I am better, but it's a constant frustration of mine. And this is something that was a you could say I was kind of a pain for my professors in my master's program due to my background. And here's why, because a lot of what we have to do when you're dealing with sources, because when you're dealing with unconventional warfare and the things that, that we do within that scope, you're dealing with Intel operations. So you're talking to sources, you're getting information, right? You've got to vet that source. You've got to vet that information, all those things. Well, here also in the Middle East, what do you have? You have tribes. So I've got sources from different tribes. Well, I've got to figure out also because the information they're giving me is also these tribes each vying for power and position and things that they want within the region. So the so I've got to go back even further and Kate, does that make sense? And so when it comes to a lot of this criticism and higher criticism and studies in the Bible and beliefs within the Bible that are taught and the primary, the prime, uh, what's mostly taught, right? You could say the majority position. Uh, me just being a rebel, you could say, and being an SF guy, I'm already going to buck against it right. <laughs> to an extent. But two, I, I want to know the sources. Okay, where? Because if you're telling me 
X, Y, Z where it's a little bit different in the text, or I can't necessarily trust the text or, Hey, it's not really that big of a thing, whatever way you want to throw it. I want to know what is the origin of these beliefs? Because there's always, like you said, intention, there's motivation. And so for example, right, Genesis, and I'll I'll just use this as an example. Okay. Genesis six, right? The sons of God saw the daughters of men, they, they were beautiful. So they took from the wise, them wives, and they gave birth to the Nephilim, right? Basically, uh, I'm kind of slaughtering the quote, but you understand, you remember this with Genesis six. Well, the most common thing taught in most seminaries is the lines of Seth theory. And basically under the lines of Seth theory, the sons of God means the godly line of Seth and the daughters of men are the unrighteous line of Cain. And they intermarried and had unrighteous offspring. And it ties Genesis, the first couple of verses of Genesis six, back to the end of chapter five. Well, there's a couple major problems with this. Um, one being grammatically, Banaha Elohim, which is translated sons of God, is never used of Adam or of men in that of followers of Yahweh. Uh, daughters of uh, men is never used of Cain. And so you've got this grammatical issue. And then, uh, Basically, when you go you go back in history, you find that Celsius the apost that that was developed when Celsius the apostate was attacking Christianity for the traditional angel view. Yeah, and so what happened was rather than saying, "Hey, dude, uh, you're not even a Christian; you're anti-Christian." So yeah, go away. They developed the godly lines of Seth view as a way to soften it. And so that was actually the origin. Well, then Augustine took that and he, Augustine was a big person about for allegorization of the text. So he loved that view. And with the influence that Augustine has had within Western Christianity, that was, became the predominant view. Now I'm one of these crazies that believes that if something is stated within the text, that God will confirm it because by two or three witnesses, a thing is established. We see that uh, Paul states that that's stated in Deuteronomy 19, I believe. Well, Peter references these angels, but what's interesting is that Jude, in the book of Jude, um, it discusses this, and I'm going to pull this up really quick, Um, okay, because this is, where is it? So basically, um, the angels of Jude 6, the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, scripture states explicitly that angels other than Satan fell. John records a future war between Satan and his angels. Um, These particular angels that Jude mentions are chained in darkness until the day of judgment. So a distinction is made between Jude's angels and the one to whom John refers to in Revelation 12. They are not bound in chains. Now, he gives specific clues to identify the angels. First, they left their own abode, and the word there is a katerion. And the only other use of that word is in used by Paul, and it's the body that we look to achieve someday as Christians. So in 1 Corinthians 5, 2, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, our ikaterion from heaven. So Paul, in this message of future hope, refers to the body as a tent, stating that even if the believer's body is destroyed, there's a heavenly, eternal, resurrected body to be acquired. 
Ekaterion is the future habitation the believer desires and looks towards in hope. And Jude references not the angels standing before God, but their physical state in which they abide. So these angels disrobed from their habitation, their physical thing. And basically the habitation is what the angels of Jude 6 abandoned. And it may seem strange, but we can't know truly, obviously, the technology available to an angel that has been on mischief. Right. Now, the extra information regarding these angels is that he links them to Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities through identical sin and judgment. Now, it says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. So it says Sodom and Gomorrah went after strange flesh in the same way as these did. Well, who's the these? The angels. Right. When did angels go after strange flesh? Well, that would be back to Genesis 6. So <laughs> does, does that make sense? Yeah. So 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 in that you have by linking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect what it is. So basically, historically, grammatically, uh, biblically, you cannot support uh, the idea of the, the Sethite theory of Genesis six, the Bible doesn't allow for it. And Jude does not allow for it. So now we get into what you were talking about, about what happens a lot of times when it comes to biblical scholarship. And there is what came about after this, uh, philosopher Spinoza. I'm sure you've heard of Spinoza. Basically he he posited theories about the first five books of the Bible. And then in the 18th century, Herbert Marsh, he posited that Mark, the book of Mark and the gospels, uh, Came, Mark came first and Matthew and Luke used Mark as a source document. And then um, with, and Matthew and Luke didn't inform each other. They had to be some mystery documents also, depending on how you look at it. Then uh, Schleiermacher, uh, he came about and theorized that this document, which was called Q, was the lost sayings of Jesus and that the gospel writers relied on that. Now that's never been proven, but that's what they come up with. Uh, then a man named Eichhorn, he questioned the author- authorship of a lot of the Old Testament books and then in the 18th century, this man named uh, Doderin, he, he was one of the earliest to argue for a dual author of Isaiah based on grammatical differences and stylistic differences within Isaiah. Yeah. Right. And then you have Wellhausen, which came about and Wellhausen basically said, well, the first five books of the Bible were written by four different people. They were four different documents and they were just pieced together by the redactors. And so you have the Yahwis, the Elohists, the Priestly, and the Deuteronomists. And basically, it's like, well, how do you know the Yahwist use were wrote that section? Well, that's the Yah. That's that's because they use the word Yahweh. What about uh, the Elohists? Well, that's Elohim. Uh, they use the word Elohim. Therefore, and so then the redactors people took and then just compiled these together, and we have the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. Now here's the yeah. problem with a lot of critical scholarship and higher scholarship. And this is, I I want you to understand this development and where this ultimately came from looking at what is the source ultimately, because what this asks and what Dan goes to and many others within higher criticism is what is the source of the, what is now the, the, what we consider the Bible. And there's different criticisms. There's source criticism, form criticism, historical tradition criticism, and redaction criticism. And basically, it's not asking, what does the text really mean? What is the source? How did it come about into what we have today? Well, here's the problem. Basically, there's some presuppositions. The first presupposition is that miracles are impossible, that there is no God, that, that God could not actually do this. And the second 
basically that they're just a reflection. The scriptures are a, reflect, a reflection of the social and historical circumstances. So out of that, then, okay, these are my presuppositions. What theories then do I derive to explain how the text came to be? Yeah. And what, what you end up with, and this is unfortunately the reality of it, is a massive self-licking ice cream cone. Because the only, the, only, the only proof that these theories are real is the actual existence of the theory. When you actually go back to the history, the the, art, the writings, the archaeology, there is nothing that supports any of these theories. Yeah. But what happens is now that Spinoza and Wellhausen and Doderin and all these people have been writing for hundreds of years, and then when you go back to the history with German higher criticism, especially with the rise of the Nazis and the things that they were doing to the Bible and a lot of scholars that like um, that what they did to the text – now you've got scholars today quoting all these scholars, and but because a scholar quotes a scholar and posits this theory, there's no actual true evidence for that, but it's so well articulated that it's considered gospel and because a scholar stated it. There's a, there's a, um, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Bart Ehrman. Mm -hmm. Um, your videos yeah. On him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so actually, that was a, a documentary up on there by a man named Jason Wallace who on YouTube, who said, dude, put it, put it up on TikTok because so many people are deconstructing based on our Bartman's writings. But if you actually look to his claims, he willingly twists history, yeah. right? With, with Apollonius, like the story of Apollonius, he won't, he doesn't mention that it came, was written a couple hundred years after Christ. And it was paid for by, you know, Caesar as anti-Christian propaganda. Yeah. And then he twists the data within the story of Apollonius to make it sound more like Jesus when it's not. And so, you know, it, it's one of these things like with, when I say I, I struggle with scholarship, it's because when you actually go look at the evidence, it's the only evidence is the fact that they're stating it. Yeah. But because scholarship states it, it's considered trusted. And Dan understanding also Dan is a Mormon. So he has a lot of motivation to negate the Bible because the claims of Mormonism are countered by scripture. Right. As God wants, because basically Mormon belief as God, is, as man is, God once was, as God is, man can become. When you look at what Mormon theology actually teaches, you know, there is not one God. There is a pantheon of gods. Right. El had had, you know, he had lots of children and spirits with his Mormon wives. Jesus was one of them. Lucifer was the other. And, you know, there it's, it's a mass thing. So he has a lot of motivation to actually denigrate the scriptures and demonstrate because he even says on some of his tiktoks the bible has no inherent meaning yeah, you know I mean, I have heard yeah so i think it's very good to see what is out there know this but also understand the history of higher criticism is simply theory that's been locked onto by a bunch of scholars because ultimately what is the goal because if we can say this is not true this is false it, it you know, it, it, it's, I'm not accountable to it. It doesn't really matter, right. you know? And, and I believe it was, uh, and if anybody thinks that I'm crazy or that this is nuts, they, you know, they wouldn't do that. Um, I want to read a quote by Li uh, Richard Lewinton. So Richard Lewinton was, he was a geneticist and he was Sagan, Carl Sagan. He was writing on Carl Sagan. Right. Um, and in this, uh, response piece to writing about Sagan, 
This is what Lewinton said. He said, our willingness to accept scientific claims that are against common sense is the key to an understanding of the real struggle between science and the supernatural. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failure to fulfill many of its extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community uh, for unsubstantiated just-so stories because we have a, a prior commitment, a commitment to materialism. It is not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world, but on the contrary, we are forced by our a priori adherence to materialism, to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute, for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. I, like I said, I, I am far from a, a theologian. I am far from even I, I, I struggle, honestly, even with uh, with sharing uh, faith with people. You know, I, yeah. I, str- I struggle. I struggle with with sharing the gospel, so to speak. And there are a lot of people in, in my mind. You know, I wonder how much of this like you you just you just analyze the scripture like from an in-depth knowledge perspective. And I wonder how much of this, um, like when this goes on in church and things like that, and we go back and forth with all these, all these different sources and everything like that. I wonder how much of it is, um, if there's, if there's an issue with overanalyzing these things, like, you know, if, if, uh, if it's, if it's just a little bit too much, I mean, I think there are some people that would go out there and just say, you know what, you know, what's really important is the gospel of Jesus Christ, John three sixteen. you know? Yeah. And I, I, it just, it just amazes me how deep you can go in these things. But what you're talking about, about, um, about, about analyzing, uh, Carl Sagan as well. I think, I think you're right. You know, I think the, the whole study of like apologetics and everything like that, like the, the, you need, you need to know because somebody is going to test you on it. You know, somebody is going to, you know, and, and, and you, and you, you, you should know what to say. So, well, and I think that it kind of goes, no, 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 dude, that's, that's great. And the reason I wanted to bring up, uh, Lewinton and his discussion on Sagan was because it, he willingly admits, hey, our a priori, our commitment is to materialism. So we're willing to ignore like things that are proven false and our claims that proven false within science and ignore them yeah. for the sake of, uh, because does that make sense? Yeah. Because we can't allow that to find foot. And no. so when it comes to people like uh, Dan, you know, and this is what amazes me. Uh, and I have to say, like, either you're 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 willingly ignoring the evidence because, like, for example, he did a uh, he was talking about the late dating of Daniel, because when you read the book of Daniel, I mean, obviously, we have um, narratives going on. We have prophecy being described, right? Daniel two and Daniel seven describe the Gentile world leading up to the messianic reign of Christ on the earth with And, and when you put the two together, you've got. Babylon, then you have Persia, then you have Greece, then you have Rome, which then kind of fades away and we go to an east-west balance of power. And then we go to a global system that divides into 10 regions with 10 leaders and an 11th arises. And that 11th is the final world leader who puts three of the 10 kings down, the other seven submit to him. And then at the end of his rule, that's when Christ comes and sets up the messianic kingdom. 
Now, also in that, it prophesies. So you have a, a, an entire prophecy on the macro of all world history leading up to when Christ reigns on the earth. Well, then you also have um, Daniel 11. And in Daniel 11, it describes the um, reign of Alexander, Ptolemy, Philadelphus, Antiochus, Epiphanes. And there's so much detail about what actually occurred in these people's lives that they say, well, there's no way that Daniel could have written this in the fifth century. This was written around 165 BC. What's the presupposition there? Prophecy is not possible. That's the presupposition. And so they say there's too much detail. It had to be written at this time. But what's interesting is that I actually dealt with Dan on this, not only dealing with these things, but also the dating. So for years, for decades, they mocked the book of Daniel stating nobody named Belshazzar ever ruled in Babylon. Well, what actually came out uh, a while ago was that Nabonidus, who was the ruling king in Babylon, he liked to go hang out in Arabia and he would set, and basically Belshazzar was the one he put in power while he was gone. And at that time, Nabonidus had been uh, captured by Cyrus and, and the Persians. So Belshazzar was the, basically the reigning king. And so that complete that validates the timing of Daniel being in the fifth century BC, because even the greatest historians and eyewitness like, and archaeologists did not know there was a ruler named Belshazzar. Well, rather than saying this had to be an eyewitness because nobody knew this, they say, oh, well, he wouldn't have actually called him king. So that, that's wrong. And he's writing and I've, I've literally, I've actually had some scholars state to me, um, the person writing this was just trying to make it look like they were an earlier dating. But then you also have problems because Daniel nine gives the timeline. um, Hey, this is when the Messiah is going to come. He's going to be killed after he's killed. The city's destroyed. Well, Jesus came on the exact date prophesied. And there's a whole thing you can do to find out the exact timeline of when that would happen. Jesus was killed. And then Jerusalem fell in 70 AD, like just as predicted. Um, yeah. you know, we, we have, you know, again, going back to Daniel two and Daniel seven, I'll, I, I've even told him like, I'll give you a later date. I'll give you the 160 BC, but how do you explain the continued correct prophecies of us moving to a dual system with an East West balance of power since the three hundreds. And now we're going to a global system and their prophecies for them to be fulfilled requires that Israel has to be back in the land. You know, how do you, how do you explain Israel coming back into the, no nation within the history of the world? has ever been destroyed, scattered throughout the entire world to then be brought back into their their own land and reestablished as a nation. And yet all through the Bible, it prophesies that they're going to be scattered throughout the world due to disobedience. And that, but there's going to come a time when they're brought back and, and they're going to have Jerusalem and they're going to have a standing temple. And so, you know, it just amazes me that people are like, yeah, that's just, nah, that's just coincidence. They fought for that because they believed it's like, well, like at what point is it not coincidence anymore? I agree. And, you know, as you're saying all this, I think it kind of makes me think, you know, the entire point of the scientific method, it's it's all sort of focused on hypothesis. It's the first step hypothesis about this. And then you test it. Right. And there's there's this interesting, I think, duality between science and faith, like they're kind of doing the same thing. If you think about it, like 
you know, either, either way, like whether, whatever you decide to believe, whatever you choose yeah. to believe is, is a hypothesis. Now I hope, <laughs> I hope, yeah. and I believe what I believe is right, you know? And, yeah. but I've noticed, and this is one of the things that I, that I kind of like about your content as well is that I've noticed that at some point, one side or the other, they've all, we've, we've all got these like equal and opposite reactions going on. Like we've got, like, if somebody says, if somebody says this and then somebody's going to come up with an answer. And what I like about yours is sort of a, um, it's an explanation, but it's like a, it doesn't, it doesn't apologize for if there's something that doesn't fit into the picture somehow. You know, yeah. Um, it's 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 very it's very interesting to see how these things sort of react um, with with each other. And, and the cool thing about TikTok is when you can like stitch clips and stuff like that. Like, yeah. so like you know, when when Dan says says X, you can reply with Y, and yeah. then he can reply with Z. And like you know, you can keep you can keep going with this back and forth. It's really interesting to see this long form like thing play out in these in these short little clips that are happening it's really cool to see how how all that stuff is going on um i want to take it i want to take it somewhere else um yeah because i can't i can't let you get away without talking about aliens (laughs) hey man i'm I'm all about aliens we can do that i'm so (laughs) like i'm like i feel like that guy on the meme like aliens you know This is a very particular subject that um, that kind of speaks exactly to what we were talking about, about how, you know, you can go back and forth and back and forth with what all these. I'm amazed at how hard it is to find someone with a godly belief system that is willing to even speak about the idea of aliens. And I actually I love your ideas about um uh, you actually, you actually, you did one video that I'll be honest with you was very hard to pay attention to just based on the subject matter of it. Um, but it was, it was very interesting to see you actually went out from what I saw outside of a Christian uh, viewpoint and went and tried to explain the new age uh, theories that they were talking about, about aliens. Um, yeah. You know, first off, we we recently heard congressional testimony from this guy David Grush and yes. he is he's a UFO or UAP whistleblower and and I find it kind of funny that like he's literally having this conversation with congress where he's like he's like just basically shouting we have these things that we don't know what they are he's essentially saying aliens exist and everybody's like yeah that's cool man but uh milk is like $7 a gallon like <laughs> yeah yep. yeah but, yeah uh, so, so nobody's like really even paying attention to all this stuff, but I think you're, I think the way that you have portrayed things with the aliens conversation is really cool. Cause I want to talk to you about, first off, do you believe in aliens? Do you believe that these things are real? And what are your thoughts about the congressional hearings that have come out? I mean, I, I believe they are completely real. Yeah. I, I totally believe that they're real, um, but not in the way that many people would think. And obviously there are people on TikTok, they hold a theistic evolution. And so for them, I've even heard them state, you know, hey, we, this is not a problem for me. I believe in theistic evolution. So if God wanted to start evolution at another planet, like it doesn't really affect my Christian beliefs. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait one second. Like there's, there's, there, this is some serious stuff because when you actually get into the research of UFOs, um, 
first I'm going to point you to what's called an influence operation. Okay. If I'm going to influence you and I want to get you thinking on something or uh, soften you to the topic, am I just going to come out there and slap you across the face with it? Yeah. No. No. So I want you to actually objectively, and anybody listening, just objectively sit back and think about the last 15 years and the timeline of the release of information about UFOs from the standpoint of like, hey, there was a report of an unidentified thing. Or uh, I saw some videos of some weird stuff going on on YouTube or E-Bombs World or or, or just somewhere, right? News. And, And now- Go back to then the naval fighter officer. I think it was like 2017, 2018. And then the progression and like basically how you've had this tiny little trickle over the last 15 years. And now then it turned into like a little, it was a trickle. And then it was like a faucet worth. And then it turned into a little creek and then a stream. Now it's like more like a river that's coming, you know, when, when you actually look. And so and it for everybody, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, why not? Huh? The aliens, yeah, cool. Not surprised. You know, Joe Rogan and all these right. things, right? Stephen Greer. Uh, Stephen Greer, I'm sure you're familiar with that name. Uh, he is a, a massive dude when it comes to uh, the UFO thing. Now, one of the things I am going to state very clearly is that when you actually get into the study of these things, legitimate study, they are not extraterrestrial. They are hyperdimensional. They completely break the laws of physics and the things that they are capable of doing. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> now, but here, here's what I need to, and anybody that wants to check this out, go check out Stephen Greer's uh, close encounters of the fifth kind. Here's what's interesting. So this man contacts these beings. He's got videos of, of them there with them. They've had a person healed by them, literally healed by this, these beings. You have to contact them. And this has been going on since the 50s. So there's two things that happened uh, that um, when you actually go look back at the Nazis and the amount of occultic stuff going on within the SS, it was absolutely insane. It was a very, it was a very occultic unit. Um, 1948, Israel became a nation again. And that's the time we start seeing these things. Now, there's obviously also... um, under, I believe it was Project Paperclip, we brought these Nazi scientists who were involved in these occult practices back to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that's been consistent since the 50s is that people that have been quote unquote in contact with these extraterrestrials, these other, um, what's the word? Um, they're not people groups, uh, civilizations sure. have had to do so through occultic means, transcendental meditation, remote viewing, astral projection, deep meditation. And then, and so it's, why would I have to contact these beings through that way? Now, Stephen Greer has the theory that, oh, that's just thought. Like it's just a higher, you know, really you're just dealing with, uh, it's not anything really there. It's just a higher level of self and technology. Well, biblically, we would say that we are not allowed to to, uh, we're not allowed to contact these people or we are not allowed to try to do those things. Those are occult things. Um, we're not allowed to do this. Um, but why is it that in order to contact them, it has to be through new age and occult means, but here's something I'm just going to read this and summarize. Uh, but you've got, and so like 1952, George Van Tassel in the eighties, uh, Ashtar, that's one of these, um, 
things, these beings, uh, was speaking to Thelma Terrell. In the 90s, it was Kay Wheeler. And she basically, one of the the common threads in the summary of what they state over the decades is there's a group of people on the earth who are a pollution to Mother Earth and are set to leave the planet in order for the earth to evolve and humanity to its next stage of evolution. Um, Barbara uh, Markiniak also discusses this. Uh, she states, if uh, if humans bre- uh, if human beings do not change, if they do not make the shift in values and realize that without Earth they could not be here, then Earth and its love for its own initiate initiation is reaching a higher frequency. Will bring about a cleansing that will balance it once again. There is a potential for many people to leave the planet in an afternoon. Um, Tim- uh, New Age author Timothy Green Beckley also talks about this. He's been in contact with these. This is what. Uh, Terrell wrote uh, after Ashtar had spoken to her, there is a method and great organization and a detailed plan already near completion for the purpose of removing, removing souls from this planet in the event of a catastrophic events, making a rescue necessary. The great evacuation will come upon the world very suddenly. The flash of emergency events will be as a lightning that flashes in the sky. So sudden and so quick in its happenings that it is over almost before you are aware of its presence. Our rescue ships will be able to come in close enough in the twinkling of an eye to set the lifting beans in operation in a moment. And all over the globe where events warrant it, it will be a method of evacuation. Mankind will be lifted, levitated, shall we say, by the beams from our smaller ships. These smaller craft will in turn taxi the persons to a larger ship overhead, higher in the atmosphere where there is ample space and quarters and supplies for millions of people. This will occur in two phases. The great exodus of souls from the planet will take place at a moment's notice when it is determined that the inhabitants are in danger. Phase two, the second phase immediately following the first. The second phase is vital as we return for the children of all ages and races. The child does not have the power of choice and understanding nor personal accountability. So basically to summarize who and why people are going to be taken off this planet by these alien entities is their vibration is not correct. They're not in sync with Mother Earth. They're a pollutant to her. And they're holding Earth and humanity back from their next stage of evolution. And so to go along with those people is the children. They're going to be taken up in a moment because they do not have the power of choice or accountability. Now, what's interesting about this is if anybody understands the doctrine of the rapture, this sounds very similar to it. Because the rapture, obviously, is the idea that that, that Christ will come and... Um, you know, take his church off. It follows the the ancient Galilean wedding. The uh, the the purchase the son the son goes. He pays the purchase price for the bride. He returns to his father's house where he builds a room addition for him and his wife. He is then goes in at an unknown time to surprise her to then take her back to that. There's a seven day wedding feast and an, and the obviously consummation of the wedding, and she stays there in the father's house with him, and anybody. So that's like John 14, one through three, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not show, so I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will turn again to take you and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. So the whole idea of this uh, catching away of the bride, basically, it follows the ancient Jewish Galilean wedding. Um, now, you know, greed, disagree with the idea of the rapture, but I find it interesting that these new that these entities, these alien beings, they talk about these entities have to be reached again by occult new age means. There's this constant idea of basically um, 
you know, we just want peace. We want love and unity on the earth and earth needs to ascend to its next stage of evolution. And anybody that's a Christian should look back and go, yeah, um, interesting because, <laughs> huh. but again, it goes back to Genesis six right now. Obviously there is, Jesus said, as the days of Noah were so shall the coming of the son of man be. Um, but then he goes on to say for in that day, they were eating and drinking and giving marriage and all those things. And so basically like, Hey, life's going to be just like it was it's happening. And then the flood came. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised as we move towards the end of the world, you could say this final stage of the world prior to Christ coming back, that we see some crazy things. It's one of those things that, you know, Paul talks about in Thessalonians about the restrainer being removed. I don't think we really understand how crazy and weird things are going to get when the restrainer is removed. Yeah. So when you, but, uh, there's two books I would highly recommend. One is, uh, alien encounters by Chuck Missler and Mark Eastman. And the other is exo Vaticana by, um, Tom Horn and Chris Putnam, uh, where they go actually very deep into the, what the Vatican is doing and stating regarding these things. And basically the Vatican's position is that, um, that they, uh, when we meet aliens, they'll evangelize us. We'll evangelize them. The Pope's ready to baptize an alien. However, when we make contact, we will have to determine whether they are fallen or not. And if we determine that they are not fallen, then we then they would have a higher understanding of the truth than we do. Therefore, we would have to take the new data and apply it to our theology. Yeah. That's the Vatican's stance on this. Huh. And so really, and, and again, this is and this is coming out um just due to some of the networks that I that I run in still, uh, due to some of the uh missions I was able to be a part of. Um, basically what's happening right now is with this whistleblower thing, the Congress and with people like Stephen Greer really pushing this, um, they are, Congress is going to give these organizations and some of these black side companies, black, the black side of some of these corporations, um, possibly amnesty. And they're going to say, Hey, you, you, you tell us what you're doing. Tell us what you have. Tell us what you have access to. How are you doing this? Right. In that time frame, it's going to come out once that gets initiated. Um, what's actually going on and a lot more is going to get put to the public. Yeah. And basically what you're going to get, you're going to get more information. This is stuff is real. And anybody that, and I, and I will say like, I've had, I'm not going to get into some details on some of the stuff I, I ran. Cause it was more on the, I can't really talk about it as of now. However, this is, this information is going to come out and it's going to be coming out that this stuff was real. Yeah. But the but the churches and the Christian question is is it extraterrestrial? Well, the answer is no, because biblically it, it, it's not at all. This is this is completely demonic, and again, that's why I highly recommend those resources on people that have done deep study um, into these things. They're Christians. Chuck Missler, he was a he did black side contracting. His company that he owned did the electronics on the B two one is a compartmentalized project. So these aren't people that are just you know some crazy out there dude. Um, right. But when you do the competent research, you know, it, it shouldn't surprise us. It's one of those things like I, like Satan's pretty darn smart and he knows what's deceptive. And what's interesting to see is that as people reject God and reject the Bible, the things they are willing to go towards, yes. you know, wh when it comes to evolution, um, what's been an interesting thing to see is that since, um, given, given the state of uh, really the impossibility of evolution. When you look at mathematics, all, all those things, 
um, the true, true, true scientifically, it's just it's an impossibility. When you look at the numbers, you're looking at you're looking at ten to the eighteenth power of seconds, you know, in the universe. Yet some of these things, like hemoglobin, is a one chance in ten to the six hundred fifty fourth power. That's just hemoglobin. You're not even talking DNA and all this. You do not have the time yeah. to. And so, what's interesting is some a lot of these people and scientists and and philosophers are actually moving towards the alien star seed. We were seeded here by aliens. They kicked off the evolutionary. It, it's it's been very interesting to see. But again, it goes back to towards the end when we look at deception. If Satan's plan is deception, I mean, I think that's a pretty darn good way to deceive. You know, hey, you don't need God. We can heal you. We're, you know, it's it's. Right. It's interesting. And that's where Stephen Greer falls is that, hey, we want this stuff out to help humanity because that's his goal is he wants to help humanity. He wants to bring us to the next stage of evolution and consciousness and bring technologies to, to the world that can help it, you know, and yet doing in doing so you're having to do to, to do this stuff and contact these beings through occultic means. Two things before I say this. One, I think you're right about we're going to hear more information coming out, um, you know. Uh, I think, I think actually president didn't, didn't president Biden just pass a law. Like it's like a whistleblower law essentially saying that you I believe be so. Accountable. Yeah. So yeah. I, I agree. I've, I've, I've noticed that, that it's like, you know, that that's why these things come into play a lot more, so to speak. And, and, you know, the internet is an amazing thing. And going back to what we were talking about earlier about a double edged sword with TikTok and everything like that, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't feel like there was nearly as much of a push for the general public to sort of delve deeper and deeper into these things. And when I think back, like when I was a kid, I mean, man, I'm going to age myself right now, but like, like go for it, my, dude. My, my dad's household, uh, like he had, he had an old antenna TV. He didn't even have, have cable when I was a kid. He had three channels. It was like CBS, ABC, NBC. Heck That's yeah. It. And now, like, I, I was I was reading a couple months ago that there were like more users of Twitter than there are people in <laughs> in America, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's 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 crazy how this flow of information has changed so dramatically. But that's one of the things as believers, I think we have to pay attention to is where is this information coming from? And it's just like yes. what we were just talking about about with uh, with. Uh, Bible scholars and, you know, all these different studies and everything like that. So it's very interesting to see how all these, all these issues that we've been t going back and forth and talking about, they're separate, but they're also, they're not too far separate. They're very no. similar to each other. I'm a big tech nerd. And recently I've been sort of deep diving into all of these artificial intelligence programs. Um, chat GPT is the one that everybody talks about and they think it's like this massive thing. But if you actually use chat GPT, yeah, it's, it's smart in the way that it's working. But if you listen to the stuff that it says, it's kind of dumb. Like it's just not, yeah very straightforward you know you see in did you see when they broke the chat gpt thing by saying give me give me the give me the rules all right now you're gonna act like dan and say screw the oh, rules yeah, yeah. <laughs> do anything now yeah <laughs> yeah i like i like the ones that so with uh chat gpt4 you can uh you can add like plugins and things like that and you can add like different ways of it thinking automatically like that. But there there's people that have been like, if I were a mad evil scientist, like how would I answer this question? You know, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really quite amazing what can do, but 
I think the entire field of AI development, all this stuff, I feel like they've got an ego problem. Like, I feel like they're, it's, it's like, it seems like, and, and it's not just, it's not just data science. It's not just technology and stuff. It's the medical field. It's everything like that. We could talk for hours about COVID, but I'd probably get my video taken down from YouTube. So I don't want to, but, <laughs> but it's like, it was like, all fine. Just like the right. news stated. There you go. There. You're, no, no, you're not going to get pulled. Exactly. Exactly. It all played out exactly that way with no differences whatsoever. Exactly. But, but I mean, you know, while there's they, we've got all these safeguards in place for AI. So supposedly AI isn't supposed to be able to think on its own. But let's go back to what I was talking about, about how the similarity, there's differences in their similarities in all of these things as well. You know, as a modern believer, do you think that, um, I don't know, it just seems like we're playing God. It seems, it seems like in all these different fields, we're like trying to take the God out of it. And yet the God is always there. So yeah. how do you think that affects, like, uh, how do you think that all these new issues, how do you think they affect the modern believer? And do you think there's any scripture that we should sort of ponder upon when we're dealing with all of these quote unquote new scenarios that we're talking about? Yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things like it's not, it's not new. It's just the old wrapped in different packages, yes. you know, and you know, you look at ego and you look at, you know, you talk about ego and it goes back and I'm sure you understand this plenty well, you know, you're, you're so, it's the Jurassic Park quote. You were so busy trying to figure out if you could, that you did never stop to ask if you should. Yeah. So, you know, there is a lot of ego obviously involved in that. And especially it's, we see this and whether, here's the thing, whether we like it or not, it's here. You know what I mean? Uh, We just need to be discerning. Obviously, when you're talking like, hey, ask AI Jesus questions and let him, you know, and people are freaking out because there was an AI, uh, an AI pastor that did an AI sermon and it was pretty terrible and most people didn't even care. You know, (laughs) I I think for me, it's more along the lines uh, as I look at what the capabilities are is from a strategic perspective and the ability to run influence operations on a massive scale, because part of influence operations is getting the information to the people you want to target and then having, and so if anybody wants to understand how deep this thing can go, we have the capabilities to, I can make certain, like within all your social media, you just start seeing this certain thing that has an underlying, not very in your face, but very subtle messages, subliminal behind it. And then you'll be filling up your gas and a commercial kicks on, on the thing. Cause everybody's got, we have the capabilities to target those things and track you. And so when you're actually filling up your gas, something pops up on there. And even though you're not really listening, you're kind of listening and it's in the background and it's feeding you messages. We, you have no idea how deep this stuff gets when it comes to the black side of, of what our capabilities are within the um, it's not even military. I mean, it's, it's three letter agencies. It's, it's within the Intel community. It's, it's pretty nuts. It's cool, but it's also scary as I'll get out when you realize, holy cow, they're doing these types of things for this amount of influence, even for just like one or two people, because they had that, that one or two people may have access to something that we want. Like it's, it's, there's so much that goes into this stuff. Right. And so when you're looking at the capability to create mass IO campaigns in an instant, in a second, you know, and through AI, 
and then its ability to get out in into the networks. And, you know, cause there's obviously that, that test they've run where like, would you let AI out of the box and give it full access and where it can run free on the internet. And so far, everybody that's taken the test has always let the darn thing out of the box. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so, you know, and it's kind of one of those things like, man, third and fourth order effects. What are the third and fourth order effects of these things? I think they're great and powerful tools and I think they can help. What I do see and can see is like, we're already freaking lazy. We're Americans. Um, you know, I mean, we don't know our Bibles. We, you know, as Christians, we don't know our Bibles. We can't defend the text. We can't defend our faith. And I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just reality. You know, you go to every, any church and ask, ask any Christian, what is the biblical definition of the gospel? Yeah. Why is Jesus the Messiah of Israel? How many can actually honestly give you the references? What is the biblical definition of the gospel? You know, Paul defines it in 1 Corinthians 15 that, uh, the gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose the third day according to the scriptures. And the scriptures at that time are the Old Testament. So the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is all within the Old Testament, scattered throughout it in some beautiful, amazing ways. You know, and we, the average American spends three to five hours on social media. It takes 70 hours to read through the whole Bible on average. 72 to 75 on the slower end. Yeah. That means if people would get off the dopamine kick and just read their Bibles, they could literally read the Bible once a month. Amen. You know, and I'm not saying do it, right? I'm not yeah. saying you got to spend two hours a day reading your Bible, but even if you took half hour, 45 minutes a day and read it to learn, to grow, like what would that do for your walk? What would that do for your relationship with Christ? Because this is a thing I think that really kind of goes to the heart of everything that we're talking about in, in these things is we have a tendency in America as Christians to separate the sacred and the secular. And one of the stark realities is that would really kind of hit me pretty hard is there is no secular. It's all sacred. I am constantly in a war that is raging around me that I raised my right hand. I'm in the army of God, right? Paul says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. And in First in Second Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty for pulling down strongholds and taking, you know, and going against everything that exalts itself above uh, against the Lord. That's a terrible quote. I, I've got, I'd have to look it up again, but still, That's you know, basically what, what we, what we need to understand is that we are in a warfare, whether we like it or not. And yeah. It's in your house. It's in your family. This is all part of it. Yes, there's going to be good things that can happen and, and come out of AI and, and this and that, but there's going to be some bad stuff too. The world as a whole is moving towards a very specific destiny. And for those that don't want to believe in and say, that, well, the Bible, it, it, the prophecy stuff, it's just allegorical. Okay. Here's the requirements for the end to take place. You have to have Israel in the land as described, uh, uh, what's what's the darn word? Not allegorically, but um, literally. Israel has to be a nation. They have to be in the land. They have to have Jerusalem. We have to go to an entire global system that divides into 10 regions and an 11th leader arises. Then there has to be a seven-year peace treaty that gets signed. Now for, you could say, you know, people talk about the mark of the beast. Well, what you have to have is an economy and a financial system that has the capability. So if you don't get involved in it, you cannot take part in any of the economy. Well, that's been basically impossible because why? There's cash, there's black market, 
There's there's a lot of numerous things. However, with blockchain and hashgraph technology, that's removed. Why? Because in order to interact, you have to have a wallet. And anybody that studies cryptocurrencies or central bank digital currencies or how blockchain and hashgraph work, in order to interact with the network, I have to have a wallet created on that network. So what's happening now with central bank digital currencies? I have if if they come out with that, I have to go to the bank and they have to issue me my wallet in order to interact on that network. Otherwise, I can't I can't do anything. Now, so amazing because even with a cash with a cash based system and a black market system, you could do that. You could get around it with. Blockchain and Hashgraph technology, there is no getting around it because even with Hashgraph, they're, the tracking on items is incredible. Yeah. It would blow your mind, the things that they're capable of tracking with Hashgraph, which means things are tra- items are tracked by the network. It's insane. So now you've got this, this technology in place where it, not, it itself is not, but it'd be too easy for this end world leader to then state, all right, if you want to interact with all the economy, with the economy, you have to get this mark or whatever it is, and then they issue your wallet. So there, there, there's so many things that, that, um, you know, when it comes to the AI and all that stuff, I think that's all going to be part of it in some shape or form that just is leading us towards this end state. Yeah. Have you seen recently that they, um, that, I believe Samsung did it as well, but they they've started implementing chips, NFD, uh, sorry, NFC chips in uh, people's hands for like payment options and things like that. <laughs> yep. Yep. I believe it was Sweden. About, people were worried about that, but then I want to say Amazon came out with, uh, you just have to scan your hand. You don't even need the chip. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's very creepy, man. It's yeah. very creepy, but yeah. you know, it, it kind of goes to what you were talking about earlier. It's, it's all part of it. Right. It's all part of it, because, again, I don't think we have I don't think we really understand how crazy it's it's going to get as we move this direction towards the end. I feel like if we're on the uh, the conspiracy theory checklist, we're like, oh, <laughs> we, made it. we made it. <laughs> we made it. Look, mom. But um, but it's like it's it. they're all intertwined. You know, one of the things that um, that I have noticed as well with pretty much any of these issues across the board is if you really want to know, like if there's any of these divisive issues and I try and stay away from a divisive issues. Cause I really yeah. just, I, I don't care. I think we all need to come together regardless of what we believe. What I believe is probably different than I guarantee you. There's something that I believe that oh, you of course. believe differently. And, um, and I think that one of the things that I've noticed anytime you're talking about, doesn't matter if it's politics, elections, it doesn't matter what the issue is. If you follow the incentive for what people have to do something, it really, it, it helps, it helps you understand more deeply what the situation is. And I think one of the things that you've spoken about since we've been talking here quite in, is very interesting to me is sort of, you know, you were talking about all the different information that you can pull from blockchain and hash graphs, or you can, you can, you can do all these things and, you were talking about the stuff that's playing at the gas station, right? What do you think the incentive is for all these things? I mean, do you really, do you really think that it's sort of like this evil mindset? Sometimes it's us just getting you to do what we want in order to accomplish our ends. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of one of those things like people can be willing pawns and not even know it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's evil intent. Sometimes there's not, you know, when it comes to, I mean, 
scripture clearly states that there is an intention behind the things that go with when it, when we look at Satan and, and, and what his intentions are, um, you know, and people, as we know, can be influenced by him because if you're not in Christ, there's nothing stopping you from being yeah. influenced by him for his ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing is that you can think you're doing a good thing. So like Stephen Greer, for example, right? Let's use him. The man thinks that he is really doing good for humanity. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he is teaching people completely occultic things and training them in it, you know, for their betterment because he wants to help them. So here we have a, a, a very well-intentioned person who's just deceived a bit. And I would not say a bit, but like, you know, is very deceived. And yet look at what he, look what that opens you up to. The spiritual things that you practicing transcendent, it's kind of one of those things that, um, so we had a, we had a family that was, uh, kind of, he was kind of doing these things. He was working DARPA counterintelligence and that stuff. And he would actually do this stuff when dealing with sources because it gave him access to information. It was really crazy. Um, well, so what happened, they moved onto this property that ended up, turned out it was a Indian mound, like an old Indian mound mm. where they would do some of the rituals. Um, and uh, it was out in Kentucky. Their four-year-old, things just started happening. And they didn't really like, ah, okay, we're in a mountain. Well, then stuff started getting more and more intense. And the four-year-old daughter started speaking a bunch of languages that there's no way she could have known. And all these pretty terrible things started happening to this family. And I, I dealt with them and helped them out with some things. And I went to the property and there was that, but kind of one of the things that he's like, I didn't believe this stuff at all. He's like, I thought I would, I just thought I had some gifts and some things that I was doing. It's like you pop your head into an area you weren't supposed to pop your head into and things take notice when you do that, you know? And so here's well-intentioned, not nothing bad behind it, you know, yet there's, there are consequences to delving into these things, you know? So I think at times, yes, there are people that are truly evil that truly desire, you know, when you look at what the things that, when you look at uh, Klaus Schwab, his right-hand guy, but he talks about how humans are hackable animals and and all the things that they'll be able to do. And basically his whole goal is control. His whole goal is control. You've got the, yeah, yeah. You'll agenda 2030. You will have nothing and you will be happy. Agenda 2030. The, the founder of BlackRock is on record stating we will force them. We will force them to do, you know, to comply, you know, the, so, so why? Because ultimately it goes back to ego that you were talking about with AI, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. We know better. You know what I mean? Um, and, but what's interesting about that is that in, uh, Psalm 106, I believe it is, it talks about God is talking to Israel and he's stating, you know, you sacrifice your children to demons. And all these things that they were doing, he says, so those that hated you ruled over you. So basically a part of the judgment was having those that absolutely despised them ruled over them. And when you look at politicians today in America and a lot of the quote unquote elites, they really don't like us. They do not, they do not like the common man. They see them as just this basically fodder to do whatever they need to, you know, so, but yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Peasants, mere peasants. But, um, (laughs) You know, man, so I, I would have to say like, yes, there is true evil out there. There's that, which is not intention to be evil. But the thing is though, is that if you're not in Christ, man, you're, you're, you're kind of in that realm and can be used for whatever means is needed. You know what I mean? 
that's the good news. You know, if you're out there listening to this and you're like, it's the end times, you're freaking out now. (laughs) Not, not quite yet, but we're moving there. (laughs) (laughs) There's hope. There's hope, you know, and, and I'm a content creator. I don't like to think of myself as a content creator, but as much as I have tried to fight it, (laughs) you're a content creator. Yeah, I mean you are as well. I mean technically we, Own we it. all are, right? I mean we're just we're just talking. We're just two dudes. But at the end of the day, I mean you know it, it's it's the truth. And I, I what I'm saying is I like the way that you have presented this information as well because I feel personally we have kind of a responsibility to not be that quote unquote monkey with a microphone. Uh, yeah, you know just sharing whatever we want. I mean. It's it's a bold statement to say some of the things that we've been talking about on this podcast, but I think that you know I, I think it's I think it's necessary you know to people that people know yes all these things are happening and going on, but you've got a choice. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, and, and you know you talked about it earlier, right? About disagreements. Like we're not going to all disagree on, on on things, and and this is one of the things that I really think is important as as, as a Christian. I may disagree with you, but I think a level of mature, a mark of maturity is how do you handle that disagreement, right? We do know things can get pretty heated in disagreement, especially when it comes to religion and politics and all these other things, but can I still do it and even get a little heated maybe, but in love, right? It's when you start the ad hominem attacks, the, the going at the person, like deal with the data, you know what I mean? But I think that ability to sit and actually have a conversation and like we, maybe we walk away and just say, you know what? We, we agree to disagree, but can I still love you as my brother? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, Jesus says they, this, by this, they will know you're my disciples and that you love one another. You know, that's, that means that even though I love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, keeps no record of wrongs, is not provoked. That in some translation, it says easily, easily is not in the Greek. It is, is not provoked. So, you know, I, I think that that is such an important thing to remember when, when discussing and going over these topics. And I understand that maybe I'm a minority position when I go to the literal fulfillment of revelation and the literal interpretation of scripture. But my one challenge to that is going to be history. The, those that held to a literal interpretation of the text was always the minority and history has vindicated them time and again. Yeah. History has vindicated those that held to a literal interpretation of the text time and again. And so, but ultimately, like, again, it goes back to, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Like, I think that the study of revelation is very important. And there's two reasons why one it's the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing to those that read here and keep the words. Okay. Second, to truly have a good grasp of revelation and understanding what's going on requires you to have a grasp of the old Testament. So, yeah. It is an adventure to go through that book, to actually go back and see what is going on and learn the entirety of the whole. And that's why so many people honestly struggle with the book because they don't have a firm grasp of the Old Testament. And just for an example, when um, Revelation 12, I'm sure you're on TikTok, you saw everybody like the raptures, like 923. Oh, you just sit there like, oh gosh, here we go. This is, <laughs> this is going to hurt because September is going to pass. And then we got to, we got to deal with this. Um, but, um, you know, Revelation 12 and the sign in the heaven with, uh, you know, uh, Virgo and then the asteroid child and all this and that. And then um, when you go to um, Revelation 12 and it discusses this, um, 
again, it goes back to needing to understand the Old Testament because when you read like twelve one appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, upon her head a crown of twelve stars. So instantly, what my mind should go to is Genesis thirty seven, because that's the dream that in the in in Joseph's dream, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to him, and Jacob is the one who interprets it and says, are I, your mother and brothers going to bow down to you? So this instantly should remind us, oh, Genesis 37, Israel, Jacob, because Jacob became Israel, who then obviously the 12 tribes, um, his sons became the 12 tribes and she being with child uh, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Okay. So now we have this woman who represents Israel is going to give birth to a, a man. Uh, and there was a dragon and he was basically looking to destroy the man as soon as it was born. We know that when Jesus was born after, uh, within that two year period that Herod tried to wipe out all the children and so tried to wipe him out. And ultimately this culminated with him being, uh, killed at the cross. Um, she brought forth a man child who was to rule all the nations with the rod of iron. Her child was caught up to God in his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where he has, she has a place prepared for her and that they should feed her 1,260 days. So here we have a, basically a general statement of Israel's history up to the end, because as you study the Old Testament, one, we know that Israel brought forth the Messiah, right? Satan tried to kill him and he ascended up to heaven. He is now seated at the right hand of the father. Well, when you study Daniel 9, Micah 2, uh, Hosea 5.15, Isaiah 63, Isaiah 34, and a bunch of other passages regarding Israel is equal 20 and 22. One of the things that you learn is that the seven-year covenant that's made in Daniel 9, in the middle of that, this end world leader shut, uh, basically ends all sacrifices in the temple, which requires a standing temple. Second Thessalonians 2 tells us that uh, he's going to take and set himself up in the temple as God. Well, one of the things that happens then is this, the dragon, this end world leader, as it states in the rest of the chapter of chapter 12, the dragon attempts to kill is like basically go to persecute and wipe out Israel. And as you study Isaiah and Micah, one of the things that you learn is that this place that's prepared for Israel is Petra. And that's actually where Jesus initially comes to Petra. Now, Part of the reason for this last, what we would call the seven year tribulation, that's what we tend to call it, but it's called the time of Jacob's trouble, the day of the Lord. Um, but, but that period, and here, here's how, here's how I, I would say, like, is this supposed to be allegorical or literal? It's called 42 months. It's called 1260 days. It's called three and a half years. It's called time, time and half a times. So it's like three or four different ways. It states that that's the time period. I don't know how God basically says everything, but seconds. So I don't know how else God could have said it to make it state, <laughs> Hey, this is literal, right? Um, but basically what happens is that Israel flees to um, Petra and because it's called, or Basra as it's called. And for 1260 days are there. Now, Daniel 12, Ezekiel 22 states that part of the purpose of this, it says God's going to pour out his fury on the nation to purge the rebels out from among them and purify them. In, and he says he's going to bring them into the bond of the covenant. When we read Jeremiah 31 and the, and the new covenant, that is to the nation of Israel. That is, that is still, at, you know, basically one of the things that people try to say that the church replaces Israel, you've got a couple problems. One, in Genesis 8, I believe it is, God says to Noah, 
as long as earth remains, sun and moon, seed time and harvest, day and night, winter and summer shall not cease. So he says, day and night shall not cease. Then in Jeremiah, he says, if you can break my covenant with a day, then I will cast off Israel from being my chosen. That's a pretty major thing, right? And one of the things that we have to understand too, is that this promise of them being God's chosen people was confirmed by an unconditional covenant and the land promised to them in Genesis, uh, the land promised to uh, Abraham in Genesis 15, this land covenant was reaffirmed to Isaac and to Jacob. And it was an unconditional, as you read in Isaiah or Genesis 15, it was an unconditional covenant because God alone passed through the pieces in the, uh, the tradition of cutting a covenant. Therefore it is only on him to see it fulfilled. Um, but, and in Ezekiel 36 and 37, he basically talks about bringing them back as a nation. And he says, look, you blaspheme my name among the nations. I don't do this. I'm not going to bring you back as a nation for your sake. I do it for my holy namesake. Why? Because his name's on the deal. And so part in Daniel 12, one of the things it says that the purpose of the three and a half years is to break the power of the holy people. In Hosea 5.15, uh, basically the prophet says, I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offense. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. And then it goes on and says, come, let us seek the Lord. After two days, he will bind us up on the third day. He will raise us up and we will forever live in his sight. And basically what you learn when would for God to return to his place means he had to have left it. Well, when did God technically leave his place at the incarnation? So between that Zechariah 12 through 14, right? You will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? They will look upon me whom they've pierced and mourn for him like an only son, uh, Jeremiah 3, 11 through uh, 18. One of the things that you under that that you begin to understand as you actually study these passages regarding Israel in the end is that the precondition to Christ to return is that Israel has to acknowledge him as their Messiah, repent of their rejection of him, and petition his return. That's part of the purpose of that last three and a half years specifically, and why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Because it's pushing Israel to the wall to where they actually call on him to save them. But it's going to take that three and a half years for that to happen. Um, And so that's, so when you look at revelation 12, it's not dealing with just a constellation. It's discussing and telling you, Hey, this is what's going to happen that last three and a half years. You have the history of Israel. They gave birth to the Messiah. He's up in heaven. Then you have what's going to happen. Satan's going to be come down to the earth and be bound by into the earth. And that's when he attacks the woman. And then those that he can't get to, he goes and basically tries to wipe them out. And Zechariah 13, eight tells us that two thirds of all Jews are basically going to get killed during that time frame, which is horrific, horrific. You know, first Holocaust took one third of every Jew. Second Holocaust is going to take two thirds. That's heartbreaking. But ultimately, like it goes back to Deuteronomy 28. When you look at, you know, there was uh, I can't remember who it was, but after the Holocaust and they became a nation again, there was a granted, it's heartbreaking. I, I, when I was in Israel and I went to the, um, the Holocaust museum, I was doing good until I got to the kids. I was doing good till I got to the kids Memorial. And, 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 you know, aside from losing my kids, like, uh, when I was over in Syria, we had a lot of kids, me and my medic, like, I mean, 
blown up shot kids, scorpion stings. It, it was, it was, it was bad. And we were just, I remember my medic walk up to me one day and he just said, man, I, I can't do any more kids. I can't do them anymore this week. And I said, I, I get it, man. I, I know. And, and it just, you know, it's, it's what we had to deal with, unfortunately. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to walk through. And, you know, when I'm doing a full excarotomy on a, on a three-year-old kid and his sister, cause they, there was an explosion right next to him and you got a three-year-old named Yusuf with three, you know, burns over 80%, three, third degree burns over 80% of his body. And, you know, then I got to carry him to his parents. And it just, so when I was in that museum and they all in the children's museum there in Israel in Jerusalem, all it is, is reading the names, just reading a name one after the other, man, that was, that, 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 that killed me. That killed me. And so to think about what's coming, like for me, it's heartbreaking, you know, it it really is. And it's not, but again, it goes back to like, and this is, again, I, I, I look at scripture and it's like every, every prophecy regarding the Messiah's first coming came true. Literally. There are yeah. way more prophecies regarding his second coming and his kingdom than there are regarding the first. So that should really make us take pause and say, Ooh, yeah. and this is what's, what's interesting. Okay. So to, to understand Daniel nine, everything I said about, uh, Jeremiah, right. Jeremiah, Hosea about, um, the requirement for Israel to repent, uh, for Jesus to come back. Right. So Daniel is reading Jeremiah in Daniel nine. And it says he goes to prayer and he starts confessing the sins of the nation. Well, the reason that he does that is because he's reading Jeremiah. So not only did he know that it, the 70 year captivity was almost over, he also understood through Jeremiah three, that again, for, for the Messianic kingdom to be established is that Israel has to repent of their sin. He's not understanding fully what that sin is. So he's like, oh, I'm going to repent of the nation's sin. The Messiah, Messianic kingdom is going to come now at the end of the 70 years. And that's why Gabriel shows up and does a play on words. It's not 70 years and the messianic kingdom, but 77s of years and the messianic kingdom will be established. And then you have the first 69 or first 483 years culminating with the presentation of the Messiah, um, riding on the donkey. And then you have the final, then you have a, the Messiah killed and then the city is destroyed. And then at some point, what starts that final seven years is that seven year covenant. But in Luke 19, Jesus says he presents himself riding on the donkey, fulfilling Zechariah 9, 9, exactly on the day predicted by Daniel. And he says, if you had known in this, your day, the things which belong for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes for the day will come about you when your enemies cast a trench about you round you in on every side and leave you not one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Hmm. Jesus held the nation accountable to take those prophecies. Literally are we as Christians going to be held any less accountable if we do not take seriously his word and what he has stated especially since we have the holy spirit to guide us in all truth you know that's and that's why you know it's it's great we can look at the prophecy stuff and it's awesome and it's it's cool and like do i believe it's going to happen literally yes i think that we can defend very well that it is going to be literally fulfilled and we can state yes this is going to happen and this is how it's going to happen but here's the thing so what so what are you doing now? Yeah, that that's great. It's going to happen. You know, you were given the commission just like I was preach yeah. the gospel, disciple the nations. Have you done it? What you have a part to play. We're a body. You know, you, you, I cannot, it's just like any SF team. I can't function near as well without my 18 Delta. I need that medic. I can't function just like, and you know, this Chris, uh, on any team, we cannot function near as well. If we don't, if everybody's just can those that are sandbagging are going to drag everybody down and everybody else has to pick up the work. 
my, my third rotation in Baghdad, we were running a, a very Intel heavy mission. We only had six of us on the team living in the middle of Baghdad that the amount of workload, because you're slotted for 12 dudes on a team. Yeah. So six of us, and and considering that two of those, one's the captain, one's the team sergeant. Well, they're darn busy doing every all their stuff. So you had four of us running what normally eight to ten of us do. Yeah, that's I mean, so so when you actually look at that, you know, the amount of work it was crazy. It was a great trip. It was fun, but it was a ton of work and it was hard. So you know, the church suffers, and we suffer as a body when people are not willing to get out there and, and take up their part and take it seriously, you know, because again, it goes back to, we've, we've got to defend the faith. We've got to reach the world and we've got to encourage one another. That's why I love the church in China, man. Like I, there's a video called underground church in China on YouTube. And dude, I, I, I almost can't keep it together when I watch it because these, these Christians in China will get together every day, every day at four thirty in the morning in a cave. There's another gathering that will meet for 12 hours straight in a hundred degree building. Why? Because they're hungry. Mm. They're hungry. They're hungry for Christ. They're hungry for one another to worship, to be with him. You know, one of the things that losing the kids taught me was the amount of love that God, the father had for us because I, as a father, know the length and you, I'm sure anybody that's a dad understands this, the lengths you will go to protect your children. And yet God willingly gives his son watches as they mock, spit on him, crucify him, destroy him. Like in in Isaiah 52, I don't think we understand really how bad it was. In Isaiah 52, it says his visage was marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. That is watered down. What it really means is he did not even appear human anymore. That's how physically destroyed he was. And yet that is the love that God, the father had for us to willingly offer his son to that so that we could be brought into relationship with him. And then he says, go and do. And so if, if God withheld nothing from me because he loved me so much and loved you so much, why do we withhold any part of our lives from him? I want to say it was, uh, pen the the magician pen and pen and teller yeah yeah um, pen he, he he said that like I, I believe he he I believe he had said that he he's an, in fact an atheist but we he said that uh people have a responsibility to uh to do that like I, I think it was something to the effect of like uh of like you know if you if you love me like to how 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 important is it to you to tell me about the uh you know tell me about this the gospel of christ like yeah if, if there's this afterlife and you want me there you know if you don't tell me about it like how much do you hate me <laughs> to not you know right there to not share that with me like it's 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 fascinating it's it's fast it's fascinating. it's powerful and that's a really major accusation man like that's yeah. but but it really is true like how much do you have to really not like somebody if you truly believe that they're headed for an attorney apart from god do you even really believe it yeah you know what i mean it's one of those things like we can say we believe all the time until our actions it comes time to put the foot to the pedal yes sir yes sir well i mean paul this is I want to be a good steward of your time, man. This has been fantastic. And I, I just, I really, I really enjoyed talking to you. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, man. 
And Definitely. I want to ask something because you clearly know what you're talking about. You study this all the time. It it shows. It shows. So if you had one piece of advice for somebody that um, that maybe, hey, maybe they read their Bible every day and they don't know all the context. Like when you put, when I pull up the Bible app on my phone or whatever, I've yeah. noticed that they've got these little sub subheadings now that you can, that can provide a little bit more context and everything like that. But if somebody wants to just delve into the word, what advice would that be? Do you have any advice for anybody that wants to do that? Yes. There, there is a series on YouTube called learn the Bible in 24 hours. Okay. When I was on my way home from Afghanistan, and it was a total God thing. We got stuck for three weeks. We actually got flown into Manus, stuck there in like negative whatever degrees and then flown back. And it took us like three weeks to get home. It was so miserable. But in that time, my medic said, hey, have you ever heard, learn the Bible in 24 hours? I said, no. And we were playing Battletoads and other Nintendo games on the emulator and listening to that because we had nothing to do. So it was like, wake up, gym, chow, video games, chow, gym video games, chow. It was just, but we listened to that on the way home and I, I will never forget. It was just constantly like, no way, no freaking way. And it blew me away the depth and everything that was in the scripture. And he does such a good job in that 24 hours, summarizing the entire Bible. And you will walk away with such a good grasp of the whole and the context. And you know what? It made me fall in love with the text. And it's why it's why I was driven to study and learn and grow because it's like, this is here. All of this is like, this is insane. Like, this is amazing. And it, it really, again, you want context, you want depth, you want the reality of what the scripture states. Like, man, like you will walk away from that with such a good grasp of the whole. So Chuck Missile learned the Bible in 24 hours. It made me fall in love with the scriptures. And I am so thankful for that. And then, but the challenge is, and, it, and I'm going to give it now, just like, I do. And he does every time. Acts 17, 11. You do not take one word. I say, you take it and you be a Berean. You take it and test it against the scriptures for yourself. Paul says it's first Thessalonians five to test all things. Hold fast to that, which is good because you don't have to answer. You're not going to answer for Paul. You're going to answer for Chris. You're going to have to answer for yourself. And that it, it, it made me want to know more. So I would highly recommend starting with Chuck Missler's Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. And then I know he's got a ton of commentaries. There's a, I think it's called My Secret Place on YouTube, basically has all his teachings. And what's beautiful about him and what I like about him, and I don't agree on everything with him, but he has a respect for the text and he's willing to go into the histories and the historical contexts and everything going on during those times. I mean, but again, like the the dude had a ten pound brain, man. Like it was it was one of those guys, but he made it understandable. Um, yeah. So I would highly recommend. I think every Christian should at least listen to learn the Bible in twenty four hours once, because it just it 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 will give you such a good understanding of the whole. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll I'll definitely have to check that out. I actually hadn't heard of that, but. You know, it beats, it beats scrolling TikTok for hours. That's for sure. Bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're on my channel. No, I will tell everybody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Get, get off. I will say it right now. Get off TikTok. It is built to be a dopamine dumping yeah. time suck. Just get off of it. 
But I've learned so much. The thing is, there. See, I've noticed this. Okay, <laughs> I won't take up too much time. But there is. You're good. I've noticed this. There is like. Uh, there's like. It'll be like, the most thought provoking, just very interesting, just like massaging your brain thing that yeah. you'll learn. You'll learn a ton of stuff, and then it's like. Puppy video, puppy video, <laughs> dancing, and then like some kid bashing in the back window of his car with a Red Bull can, and then and then it's like you know four hours of that. So in yes. that time, I don't even know if my mind even accepts all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's where we are. Well, speaking of which, so you know, how can people find out about you? You're on TikTok. Are, are you other places too? How can, how can yeah. everybody find out? About it? So I have, uh, I have a podcast I run every Friday, uh, Warriors Rising with Tiana Showy and her from Made of Conquer podcast and then TikTok Theologic. Uh, I can get emailed paul at the warriorsrising.com. You can reach out to me if you have questions. I'm always happy to answer or get in contact with me if you have questions or just need prayer. I'm, I'm usually try to really honor that and steward that for people, you know, and just really try to help, help you guys and, your walk and whatever you need. So those are the two big ones. Uh, the TikTok Theologic and Paul at the Warriors Awesome. Well, fantastic. Well, Misfits, you know where to go. Go check him out. He's a great follow. I love what he's doing. And like I said, the information that you provide, Paul, is the the manner in which you do it is something that like an everyman can pick up. And I love it. It's it's a great, it's a great follow. It's, I'll just appreciate it, that, man. It's, it's really cool. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah, for sure. And let me soapbox. I, so I realized I, I soapboxed. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. This is awesome. So, um, you know, we're winding down towards the end of the show. Every show, I ask all of my guests the same two questions. Now, when I tell you about this, I've had people tell me everything from they want to learn how to kick flip on a skateboard to they want to catch a fish during the summer. And then I've had business people on here. I had a guy on that wants to hit 100,000 YouTube subscribers. It's all over the place. So you do you. I want to learn. This helps me learn about Paul. At the end of every show, I ask all my guests the same question. What was the last goal that you completed and what is the next goal that you want to set for yourself? Uh, the last goal I completed was getting uh, involved in this Greek program. And then the next goal is uh, hunting season started Saturday. So I'd like to get, I'd like to get my freezer full of some buck and nice. dough. Nice, 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 nice. Now, where whereabouts are you? Where are you at in the country? Tennessee, region? Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. I'm sure there are a lot of buck in Tennessee. Oh yes, <laughs> and I've got about five acres that my buddy's letting me use. And there is, there's this one spot. It's got a persimmon tree right at the entrance, and go. so I'm just gonna walk out. And there's like all this spot. This it's a big buck because he's actually knocked over a few trees, and you see you see all the scarring. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, well, I, I hope you get the big one. I hope you get the big one. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I'll be crying next time on the podcast. Did you make your goal? Yeah. No. No, I failed. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> awesome. awesome, man. Well, Paul, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to wrap this guy up. Misfits, go check out the TikTok Theologic on uh, TikTok. And he's got a podcast as well. And also, oh, wait. You said you've got a book as well. What's, what's yeah? Your, uh, the book is called Onslaught of Ecclesia. Okay, a Christian manifesto. And so basically, the basic premise uh, it's it's pretty short. It's like forty nine pages, um, very short and just sweet and to the point. If we're going to claim Christ, 
what does that look like? What are we called to? How do we walk it out? And then what are the consequences if we do or don't? That's pretty much pretty much it right there. Awesome. Is that like on Amazon or where can yep. I get it? Yep. It's on Amazon. Okay. All right. You know what I'm going to do, Misfits? They're down in the bottom. Go buy that book. Go check it out. Paul, thank you so much for doing this again, man. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks, man. Definitely enjoyed it. Appreciate you. All right.